I'm Alex Melleris. And I'm Kai Seifu. And this is going to be a long episode because we are late by four days because one of us got COVID-19. And I'm not going to say who it was, but I just had it a few weeks ago. And so it wasn't me. And it was Taisei. Uh, but luckily, he is, uh, he's doing much better than I did. And he is in tip-top shape, or at least I'm guessing that he is close enough to that, for us to record again. And we've missed a lot. For starters, we were recording our last episode in the middle of Edmonton, Colorado Game 4. Not only that, but I think it was kind of looking like Edmonton was going to win, which of course ended up not happening. Um, So we haven't even gotten a chance to eulogize the Oilers yet, even though they've been out for 10 days, literally. So why don't don't we start with that one? Yeah, sure. Let's begin. Uh, So game four ended up being 6-5 in overtime. uh, And you saw a lot of the problems that they had all series. You can't go out and try to win a track meet against the Colorado Avalanche. uh, And at the heart of that problem... Is yeah, they scored a bunch of goals, uh, but their defense stunk. So we can start with that. Uh, and you know, when it comes to eulogizing the Oilers, uh, this was a problem that was there all year. In particular, you know, noted acquisition, you know, leader of men, Duncan Keith, uh, who's you know paid God knows how much money this year and next, uh, was awful. He was demonstrably terrible on the ice. Whenever he was there, you're like, this guy is old as shit, is slow, and turns it over all over the place. Can, can't defend any two-on-ones. Neither could any of the defense corps. Uh, but it starts there. Um, because, you know, they, they had offensive production from those top six. You know, that that's a stain throughout the series, basically. Um, but A, they couldn't really get any secondary scoring. And B, they just it let the Avalanche walk all over them uh, when it came to their defense. Absolutely. Um, I like with these eulogies to look forward into next year and into the future. And the Oilers... It's funny because they're the type of team that uh, should be very easy to make into a contender based on the core that they have in place. Um, but as we have seen over the past seven years or so, that's not necessarily the case because Ken Holland and before and Peter Shirelli seem to have trouble uh, finding good bottom six wingers, which should be the easiest thing to do. Um, same same kind of deal with, with depth defensemen. But one thing in particular to do with Duncan Keith, who you were, who you were just mentioning, uh, that seems to be abuzz the rumor mill, is that maybe he'll retire because he sucks so much now. And that would just be a dream come true for the Oilers. Even if Ken Holland doesn't realize it and still thinks Duncan Keith is valuable, that would be an absolute dream because not only would his uh, $5.5 or so million dollar cap hit come off the books for next year, but they may also get a slight benefit I'm not totally sure how this works, but it's like opposite of cap recapture because he's like on a different team than the one who signed to the deal. Um, So they would actually get extra cap relief if Duncan Keith retired, Um, which, you know, would that would absolutely be a a big help. Not only that, he wouldn't even be on the ice anymore and they would still have the hole to fill, even though they do have, you know, Darnell Nurse is pretty good when healthy. Cody CC seems competent these days. I'm an Evan Bouchard fan. Maybe they'll try to bring Brett Kulak back. They'll still have a hole to fill. But that hole is kind of still there with Duncan Keith. And Duncan Keith is the hole himself. Exactly. That's the thing. The, the hole is a hole that he's burning in the cap sheet at five and a half million dollars. <laughs> right? Uh, so, you know, it d- definitely would be. Like, you look at their cap situation. It's not like they're, you're, it's not that they're not in a pickle. It's coming off season. They have seven million dollars right now 
uh, and they have like a buttload of people to sign. They don't have to bring back everybody. But even if they don't, that's a lot of roster spots you have to fill anyways. Uh, and yeah, it seems like they have to overpay because they can't figure it out. So, you know, they could greatly benefit from that five and a half million dollars plus whatever cre- salary cap credit that I've never heard of prior to a week ago. Um, so, you know, that's that would be greatly to their benefit as well. Another guy who, uh, you know, A, performed awfully. Uh, during especially that last series against Colorado, and B is also you know perhaps some retirement rumors going around on this uh, for them is that uh, Mike Smith, uh, infamous Mike Smith, who has another year at two point two million dollars, uh, is apparently contemplating retirement. He wouldn't commit in the press conference afterwards uh, to coming back. I don't know why he wouldn't. He's getting paid two point two million dollars at the age of forty one to do really jack all uh, for this team. But uh, you know apparently his you know maybe he's injured or some shit. Uh, but yeah, if that's the case, you know if we can move from the defense. Over to the goaltending, uh, Miko Koskinen has left. Uh, he's no longer an NHL goalie, and now he's going to be playing in like, the Swiss League. Uh, so they don't have much of a backup other than Stuart Skinner, and they might not have a starter at all. Mike Smith might be gone. Now, granted, may not be too much of a downgrade because you know it's Mike Smith we're talking about. But still, that just leaves one more thing that you leave Ken Holland to, to kind of fill. And uh, I don't trust a man uh, to sign anybody to any sort of contract, whether it's a trash record both in you know Detroit or in Edmonton. Well, I think kind of similarly to Duncan Keith, Mike Smith's retirement may also kind of be a blessing in disguise because Ken Holland is then forced to go out and find a new starting goalie. Whereas if Mike Smith is there, he could sit there going, oh, yeah, Mike Smith was like whatever, 9-14 or whatever he was in the regular season. We'll make Stuart Skinner the backup. Problem solved. Then when Mike Smith retires all of a sudden, he's like, oh, no, now I have to go sign Darcy Kemper, who's good. Whatever shall I do? I have to go sign Jack Campbell, who rocks. Oh, no. Um, so I think, similarly to Keith Mike Smith retiring, might not be the worst thing in the world, even though it's extra work for Ken Holland. Um, and another name I want to bring up, Jesse Pugliarvi, because that was like the big major note from the end-of-season press conference was uh, Ken Holland was asked if Jesse Pugliarvi is like a part of the future plan or whatever, and he was like, I guess that's what I have to figure out, isn't it? Or something like that. Maybe not that quite that ominous. But basically, you know, they have a lot of UFAs. Um, they have a couple notable notable RFAs. Actually, Puliarvi, Yamamoto, and Ryan McLeod are all RFAs. Um, you know, Evander Kane is a UFA. I don't know if they're gonna try to bring him back. Brett Kulak as well, who I've just mentioned and will mention again because I love him so much. Um, and they can't all come back. And basically that's what Ken Holland said. Like, I think I think the quote was uh, anybody can come come back, but not everybody can come back. And the fact that there seems to be this this disdain for Puliarvi coming from the front office and coming from from the Edmonton media so much too. You know, Mark Spector, Jim Matheson, they always seem to be dumping on Jesse Puliarvi at every chance they get, scapegoating him instead of like you know Zach Cassian who's getting three point two million dollars AAV to play like ten minutes a game. Um, but Puliarvi, I don't know if it's because they were hoping for more out of a fourth overall pick, or if it's because, you know, he left for Europe at a certain point, but just Edmonton front office, the media in general seems to have it in for him. And when that's the case, players tend not to last very long. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I understand he's a bit of a letdown in terms of, you know, they thought they, well, he was like a projected top three pick, right? And then Columbus went out and got uh, Dubois, and so Edmonton was like, oh, shit, the, the, you know, the clear number three guy kind of felt to us. And so, you know, relative to expectations, perhaps his development hasn't gone the way that, you know, people have wanted. But he's still very much, a, you know, a young at like 24, 
uh, and pretty valuable middle six kind of guy, middle six power, you know, middle middle six forward. And yeah, to, to see him vilified like this, and you know, perhaps the you know at the expense of you know, so you you have other people, other players, worse players getting contracts at the expense of this guy. Uh, you got a question? A well, you know, the media will do whatever the media wants to do. They'll they'll drum up all their nonsense and their narratives, but. When it comes to executives, uh, you know, Ken Holland, when, when you got guys like Zach Casting, you got like Warren Fogle, like those two combined, they're making $6 million and you can't convince can't convince me that both of them combined don't give me, you know, the impact that Jesse Pugliarvi does night in, night out. So it's just, uh, it, I don't know what it is, but it seems that, you know, even the management group isn't completely sold on the guy, uh, but relative to the other guys on the roster, they should be paying him and giving him another contract. Yep. Um, offer sheet material. There, that's here. There we go. This is a name. It's a first name on offer sheet watch this summer. All right. They're happening more and more. They've happened twice in the past three summers, which is an incredible uptick. So it's going to happen again. Puyarvi, that's a name to watch. And it's kind of, I think, the perfect mix of all things. You know, you have, uh, well, obviously he's youngish because he's still in RFA. Um, tr- high potential. And productivity and value that is higher than the team that already has him thinks. So you could, you know, play pay slightly above fair value for him in hopes that he will grow into the contract, which is a very high possibility. And meanwhile, the Edmonton front office who hates him will be more likely to let him go because they don't like him very much. Capo Caco, we'll get to him too, but that's another name who I think lines up, hits all those criteria perfectly. Yeah, absolutely. So like, you know, these, these high draft picks that haven't exactly lived up to you know maybe top four pick status, but still quite valuable as players on their own, of their own right. Um, and uh, yeah, it seems like the, both of their managements and their coaching staffs uh, seem to undervalue them. Uh, so yeah, when it comes to the Oilers overall, like it, it really is. If if Keith and Smith don't retire, it's quite the cap predicament. Like you know what I mean? Like I don't really see how you know they might have to lose two of the guys because you know I, I don't see how you can resign Kane with seven million dollars in cap space. Plus, fill out the bottom, you know, bottom parts of your roster. So, yeah, this is this is a real kind of a cap bind. Uh, and you know, for Mike Smith, I looked at his uh, salary numbers: two and a half million dollars. It's actually higher than his cap hit. So, you know, even more incentive for him to stay. You love to see it. Yep. Um, last point on the Oilers, which I guess is only kind of related to the Oilers now that the season's done. But Evander Kane, uh, who is thirty years old now. And just scored a lot of goals in the playoffs. Um, everyone seems to think, or everyone in 200 hockey men's circles seems to think, he's fixed, he's great, he brings value now. And apparently, there are numbers being reported that are extremely similar to his last deal he signed with the Sharks, which was a 7x7. Seven seven. And it seems like, maybe not the, the term, but at least the AAV, that teams may be lining up to give him a very similar AAV, just like that again even though we were just talking about how much of a terrible contract that was, like less than a year ago, teams appear to have not learned. And they go, look, a, a point-of-game player, he scored like a 40-goal a pace over half a season and 13 goals in the playoffs. Um, here, take seven or even up to like $8 million per year. Yikes. That's, uh, nah, it's like they got the memory of a goldfish or something. Uh, yeah, as you say, he's 30 years old. You're gonna sign him till you're gonna sign a Vander Kane till he's 37. Uh, based off production, 
where for most of the season he was on the wing of either McDavid or Dreisaitl. Makes no sense. Makes absolutely no sense. Now, you know, the Oilers need somebody to play next to the guy, to play next to McDavid. Uh, and, you know, Kane slotted well in that role. But that does not make him worthy of uh, $7 million for seven years for a 30-year-old forward. Uh, especially, especially given uh, given all the, you know, the 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 off the ice uh, bullshit that he's put everybody through. So yeah, Zach Hyman was fine in that role too. Exactly. Um, there are other and plus you know cap wise, it doesn't make sense to to you know they already got to all these you know mid range expensive forwards. You already invested as you said in Hyman. You know Nugent Hopkins makes a solid chump of change, and yeah, the Cassie and Fogel combo that costs six million dollars. Uh, you know, let alone the you know the defense, you can't afford to pay Evander Kane, and it doesn't make sense because uh, he's not worth it. And whoever's going to give him that kind of contract is going to demonstrably regret it, just like the Sharks did. What more is there? You you just have to look back, like less than what two years, uh, and you see a, you know a team clearly regretting his contract before he was thirty. So you know <laughs> they've lost the ball, lost their minds. I said that was the last thing I want to talk about in the Oilers, but one more pending UFA. I, I just hope that Derek Broussard goes to his eleventh <laughs> team. Yeah, <laughs> I hope that Derek Broussard leaves so he can add yet another, you know, destination on his roadmap or whatever. Columbus, New York, Ottawa, Pittsburgh, Florida, Colorado, the other New York, Arizona, Philadelphia, and now fifteen games in Edmonton. Um, I, I think honestly at this point it may be his sincere goal to like get through half the league before he retires. What if, yeah. what if instead of like a no trade clause in his contract, he had a must trade clause? Like you have to trade me somewhere I've never been before by the deadline. <laughs> or by the end of the month. Um, he's, he's, he's 34. He doesn't have time <laughs> to wait till the deadline. Uh, he, <laughs> you know what? Why not? He should, he should ask for one. Um, but yeah, you know, he's, he's 34. You know what? One, one every year, if he makes it till 38, he signs one year contracts in new teams. I'll get to halfway through the league. So we're rooting for you, Derek. Get to that 50%. Well, no, half the, half the league would be 16. Man, I have to adjust my math. Yeah. So he needs five. Oh, okay. He needs uh, to, okay, so we need some deadline trades. You're right. He needs that clause. Absolutely. Which which we'll probably, we could see, you know, as long as he doesn't totally become unuseful, he get traded for a fifth or a sixth every year. Yeah, or even a seventh. Nobody would complain. Just give him, you know, just dress him for one night. That works for me. Yeah. I want him to get to the entire league. There's the the Phil Kessel Iron Man streak, and there's the Derek Brassard (laughs) (laughs) team explorer events extravaganza. And uh, that's what what we're following these days. That's the important important stats brought to you You by Derek Brassard. You know what will happen, though, is he'll get... He'll get to the 31 teams or whatever, and then you know the last team will play hard-ass. Like, Dallas will be like, no, we don't want him. And everyone will hate them. Yes, uh, I'm sure that'll definitely happen. Can't wait. I'm, I'm just waiting on it. <laughs> yeah. Got it marked down in my calendar. Absolutely. <laughs> Dallas Hardball's 43-year-old Derek Broussard <laughs> in his quest like to join. 53. <laughs> 53-year-old Derek Broussard in his quest to join all 32 teams. Wow. You'll mm-hmm. have to see it. All right. So, yeah, that's the Oilers. Uh, and uh, they're done. At the end of the day, they were just not very much a conference final caliber team, I would argue. Uh, and, uh, yeah, speaking of that, speaking of a team that I kind of argued 
the same thing for, but in the Eastern Conference, we have the New York Rangers uh, promptly losing three games in a row as soon as I called them frauds. Four. Four. But like three after that episode. Um, right. So I, I, feel, I feel greatly vindicated. Uh, and what? They scored three goals in those last three games combined. Uh, so, you know, feels good. It feels good. And my main takeaway uh, is really the, you know, it's exemplified in that stat. Those three goals in the last three games, it seems that Tampa, you know, great team that they are, they kind of really focused on shutting down a few of the players, whether it's Zibanejad, Adam Fox, and kind of focusing their defense there. Uh, and the secondary scoring just did not show up. Did not show up whatsoever from the Rangers, and who could have seen it coming? It's almost as if there's a lack of talent in that respect. Uh, and yeah, they just couldn't pull it through, despite, you know, having a 2 nothing lead in the series and in Game 3. Uh, they just they just went ahead and just fucking shit the bed. Uh, so yeah, Zabanej and Fox had no points in the last three games. That's about all you need to know. And uh, yeah, they just couldn't score. So Rangers stink. Yeah, and I think a big reason for that is um, they didn't have the chance to go in the power play very often. And part of that is because uh, Tampa Bay is just, you know, straight up better than them, had the puck more, all that type of thing. Uh, but Tampa has, you know, in the playoffs over the past couple of years, uh, been more than happy to trade power plays with most, most teams, which should not be a term that should be used. But because, as we know, even up calls, yada, 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 it is used. And Tampa Bay with most has you know such a great power play. They'll go, yeah, we'll give you five power plays and take five ourselves, and we'll probably outscore you on them. Um, but that's not really the case with New York, who uh, way too much of their offense comes on the five on four. So when Tampa kind of you know cut that gateway off to them, things really dried up. Yeah, absolutely. So that's that's the big problem. Can't well, a they didn't get enough power plays. That just goes to show they need to generate more at five on five. They're just not a good team. At five on five, and that was not only in this series, right? They they were dominated against fucking Pittsburgh of all teams in the first round, uh, and they really got by on you know Louis Demang and their power play. So you know, I, I am still not sold on this team uh, as as a legitimate contender. I mean, sure they're a playoff team, uh, but yeah, they just they just can't. You need to be at least a net positive at five on five if you want to do something, uh, you know, and have a real shot at going deep in the playoffs, like deeper than, you know, where you have to actually face a juggernaut. So, you know, that's, that's that. I mean, Shesterkin, right? You you got all that you could possibly really ask for from Shesterkin. He was fantastic. Yep. Uh, you know, all six games. I mean, like, you know, the, the two game six goals were kind of kind of iffy. You know, the two Stamkos goals, you know, he bobbled the rebound on the second one. And it was kind of like a clean shot from the, you know, from the faceoff circle on the first one. But still, like, he, you know, he held his own. And... You couldn't really ask for much more, but uh, the Rangers, you know, the offense just couldn't support him at all. Yeah, a lot of the talk with New York, maybe not like right now, but in recent memory, has been about how, you know, they have this great core, uh, Panarin, Zabanajad, Fox, Chris Kreider, um, but they're going to get even better because of, you know, young guns like Lafreniere and Capo Caco. Um, then Capo Caco kind of disappeared in the conference finals. And was scratched in Game Six. Um, we've we've talked about. I think we talked about them last episode. Actually, how it's like, yeah, they're okay. The kid line was like pretty good for the first half of the playoffs or so. But what do we think the story slash plan is with Capo Caco? Um, 
and I, I assume the Rangers are probably going to try to, you know, bridge him at, I don't know, around 2 million AAV, two and a half, um, even though he's kind of been a disappointment. I do really think this is an offer sheet target potentially for some teams. Um, what direction do you see this going? Yeah, I mean, it's it's clearly quite ambiguous. Uh, I don't think we mentioned that he was scratched in game six, too. Just straight up didn't oh, did. play. Uh, oh, you did? Okay. Well, there we go. In, in favor of, like, fucking, who was it? Dryden Hunt. Dryden Hunt. Fucking <laughs> loser McLoser. Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, all he does is really just, like, you know, banging around, hitting people. Uh, so he didn't contribute anything. So, you know, and that's a, that's a poor choice by the coach. I'm just going to go out and say it. Uh, because you're putting a noticeably worse player in an, elimina- in an elimination game. Uh, so, you know, it's clear that the organization, whether it's the coaching, whether it's the management, does not have, you know, the, the proper faith in him after, you know, they themselves kind of screwed up his development in the first place. Uh, so where I see this going, I mean, if a team is willing to take a bet on him, which I would at this point, uh, like, you know, he's only 21. He's got potential. He's the second overall pick for crying out loud. Uh, it seems like, you know, the, the, the kind of criteria that you mentioned where the team that he's currently on undervalues him and he's still got potential to improve over the course of a contract. Uh, this too seems like the ideal target for an offer sheet. And if the team has the balls to kind of do it, I would. Why not? This is a second overall pick from like, what, three years ago? Uh, and he he's sitting there right for the pickings. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have a hard time projecting New York to like continue getting better. Um, not just because, you know, Lafreniere and Kako haven't really shown tremendous strides, but also because it feels like, you know, their top guys, Fox, Kreider, Zabanajad, Panarin to a certain extent, don't really have anywhere more up to reasonably go. Shesterkin, too, falls into that category, I think. Like, you know, it's pretty much impossible for him to have a better season than he just had this year. So it's like, where does the extra juice come from? Especially when you have so many important forwards or who are important to the playoff run uh, leaving in UFA. Ryan Strom, Andrew Kopp, Frank Vetrano, even throw in Tyler Mott if you want. Um, you are going to have a lot of depth and even even like, you know, players who are in the top six, like Stroman Kopp, uh, holes to fill in your lineup. Yeah, absolutely. And like, where's the juice? It's usually from the youth, right? But if you're not even sold on it, if you can't develop them properly, like, you know, barring like Vitaly, they, they just signed Vitaly Kraftsoff. He's back from the KHL after like, you know, leaving, running away uh, for like a year. Um, you know, you like, but but then again, you know, he spent a year away. It's not like he's got a really, you know, he clearly doesn't have a very good relationship with the organization in the first place. Uh, so, yeah, like it, it's hard to kind of project them on in this organization, these young guys hitting their, their potential because their development, you know, system over here clearly is not working. And so when it when it comes to Jews, you're absolutely right. I think the top guys right now that have been established, you can't ask for much more. Except maybe Panarin, who had a, you know, pretty shitty postseason, if we're being honest. Uh, but, you know, his standards. Yeah, his standards, sure. But, like, you know, you know he can do better than that. But, you know, how much better? And does it really make that much of a difference for this Rangers team that, you know, clearly had many deficiencies and wasn't able, wasn't able to, you know, win at five on five? So, yeah, and... and Clearly, they have some other craft commitments that aren't ideal. Uh, and yeah, it's just, you know, we'll, we'll, if they don't have faith in, you know, Kako 
and they they don't give you know the the primary minutes to Lafreniere. Uh, how are they really going to make that jump forward? It's hard to see. Yeah, I do think, um, especially with honestly, I think Shesterkin's even though it was just one season, it was so good. He probably you know has a pretty easy claim to second best goalie in the world behind Vasilevsky. Um, so I do think they will sleepwalk into the playoffs next year in a weak Metro division, even just because of him. Um, but honestly, I mean, maybe they make another run to the conference finals even because no other team in that entire division really scares me very much. Uh, but they are losing Keith Kincaid this summer as well to UFA. So that, that is something to keep in mind, you know, brutal. the emoji King brutal who played uh, what one NHL game this year. That's tough. That's tough for the Rangers. Um, my condolences. Uh, but yeah, no, you, you you can't see them competing with any of the, you know, what we could see as the legitimate contenders, whether it's, you know, Tampa Bay or Colorado, really any of the finalists right now. Um, but, you know, other teams in the West too. I just don't buy them because you almost like you down 3-1 to fucking Pittsburgh of all teams, right? Like this this team, uh, if you want to be a legitimate, you, you should have handled Pittsburgh pretty easily and not looked as outplayed as they did. Uh, and needing a third-string goalie on the other team. So, yeah, and, and mm-hmm. looking forward, what they've got, $13.5 million in cap space. Uh, there's a whole bunch of dudes uh, that need to be resigned. They also need to resign Georgiev. Uh, I want to met you know, like a whole bunch of forwards. So I think, how many do they have right now under contract? Like eight on their, uh, that's currently on their yeah. cap friendly? So Including Dryden Hunt and Ryan Reeves, so maybe six. <laughs> well, you know, Ryan Reeves is probably going to be on the major, uh, you know, on the roster. Oh, I'm just saying like night. forwards who are like any good. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, th- th- then you need more and you need six more. Uh, so yeah, $13 million for what? Seven roster players. Well, no, you also need to sign a sixth defenseman. So eight roster players uh, with, you know, some of whom Back have. Back goalie. Yep, absolutely. So that's a lot. That's a lot to fill with only $13 million, man. Jacob Truba did not look good in that series. Uh, all he did, all everybody ever, ta- all everybody ever talked about with the guy was, you know, his flying elbows. Oh, he got a, he had a good hit here and there. Didn't do much else. And uh, yeah, eight million dollars for four more years. That's not looking cute. Yeah, uh, the Jacob Truba deal is, uh, I mean, it's not good. It's definitely an overpayment, but at least he's productive. At least he's, you know, positive impact on ice. What concerns me more with this type of team is honestly like. Patrick Nemeth, straight up bad defenseman, two and a half against the cap. Ryan Reeves, 1.75 against the cap. Barkley Goodrow played on your fourth line in the conference finals, 3.6 against the cap. Um, A lot of, you know, smaller, lower down the lineup deals that are decidedly overpayments is really, I think, where where you end up looking at a team like, they're not even that good. Why are they so close to the cap? Yeah, absolutely. And I think we might see some more coming. You know, we have a lot of these role players coming off the books. And if the Rangers want to keep them, seems like the kind of thing where uh, you give them a bit too much money for too long. Uh, And yeah, it's like these mid-range cap hits that always kind of sink you uh, in combination with, you know, old dudes that he signed to big contracts. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, I think maybe that's it on, on New York. It is kind of funny that despite both these teams coming to the conference finals, are we just overly critical that we come away from both these teams with an overall like, oh, things aren't looking good for you moving forward? 
or is it just the fact of the matter that like very few teams are actually Stanley Cup contenders and we have high standards? Yeah, I think it's the high standards. I, I, I don't think we're being overly critical. Like I take a step back, I look at the Oilers and I still think they suck shit. All right. Like they have two good players and they stink. That roster construction is awful. It's just bad decision after bad decision. And what? We can wipe the slate clean because they made a, you know, like a fucking lo- easy run. Like maybe not easy run. They, well, they had the Kings in the first round. Um, But like, you know, they got dragged by Connor McDavid to the third round. And all of a sudden I'm supposed to forget about that. Forgive and forget. Like forget about it. Come on. This team still stinks <laughs> and is not built to win a Stanley Cup. There are teams where you can see a trajectory like, oh, okay. As you said, there's juice. There's somewhere to improve. Um, but, you know, with these two teams, I don't see it. I don't fucking see it. So I don't think it's a matter of being critical. I see, I see it with cold. Edmonton. I see it with Edmonton, and I think it's the acquisition of a goalie and, like, one good defenseman, um, That which, honestly, the Oilers have, like, barely had for a while. Um, Dylan Holloway, too. There's the juice. Don't forget about Dylan Holloway, all right? He's going to... He's gonna surprise. You just wait. Right. Well, you know what? You can talk. You can tell me about that juice, right? That that great goalie, that great defenseman. When they when it actually happens, right? And until okay. it does, Fair. until it does, I can't. I can't. I can't. You know, speak highly of theoretical defensemen and goalies, right? So, you know, <laughs> I'm not sold on the Oilers quite yet. You know, if they, I'm not saying they can improve, but I'm saying the roster right now is not very good, not good enough. If they add players, sure, great. I yeah, mean, I guess. Tell me then. My difference, my difference between Edmonton and New York is with Edmonton, I see an easy path to improvement. With New York, it's like I kind of think you've capped out where you are. That's fair. That's fair. Even <laughs> New York was supposed to be an upcoming, up and coming team too. But yeah, it does seem like you know, it might stall out in the coming years. Can they really become that next level juggernaut? I I doubt it strongly. Yeah. Um. Well, now I guess we can talk about the Stanley Cup Finals. Which for the first time since like two thousand and what fifteen is actually between the best two teams in the league. Uh, well, maybe that's well. I guess here I'll be a little more generous. It's the first time I think I think maybe the the like Pittsburgh Nashville Stanley Cup final is um, the only one in recent memory. I guess well, I mean the most recent one in recent memory with this much like hype and and juice. We'll use that word again and like. These are really two juggernauts coming head to head. Washington and Vegas, it was like, oh, the Cinderella team. Um, Boston, St. Louis was kind of like, eh, the Blues are a little boring. Then, of course, there was uh, the Dallas and then the Montreal. We've got been on a little bit of a dry run here, but with Tampa, Colorado, it is uh, back in full, full swing, full force. And game one definitely did not disappoint. Um, even though the Colorado win was slightly disappointing for me personally, because as you know, I am pulling 100% for the Tampa Bay three-peat simply because I predicted it would be so. Yeah, We would love that vindication here on this podcast for you. Uh, yes. If it did happen. Uh, but yeah, it was not to be, but I would know it, it, it's great. The the hype is here. You can you can feel buzzing, right? Uh, you have two bona fide juggernauts, great teams that you know at the beginning of the playoffs you would you know sure pick them to win the conference. You know maybe not so many people pick Tampa were as bold as you were, uh, and they picked like Florida or Tampa or Toronto or whatnot. But here they are. They made it, and yeah, two time defending cup champions. So you can't really you can't you can't fight you can't say they stink or anything like that. 
uh, <laughs> much like the Habs. Not even you year. can say this thing. Exactly. It's it's they clear that very very high standard of me calling them stink. Um, so <laughs> good for them. Uh, and yeah, it's it's got all the makings of just an elite Stanley Cup final. Uh, knowing that, we know that you know, given what we've seen this earlier this postseason, it's going to end in five games. You already know it. Uh, but uh, you know, it, the game should be entertaining. And yeah, game one. Happened last night. It was mad spicy. Uh, and it was, uh, what, a 4-3 win for Colorado in overtime. Uh, yeah, Colorado came out flying. Looked like the better team uh, for, for basically the entire first half of the game. Uh, and really just kind of dominated play. Got those power plays. Scored on the 5-on-3. And all of a sudden, it was 3-on-1. 3-to-1, three one. Uh, three, three sorry. And then uh, Tampa came back. Scored twice in the span of, like, what? Three minutes. Uh, as Tampa does, uh, and yeah, you kind of you kind of got a taste of the two almost contrasting styles. Like they're both very you know dominant teams, but they do play you know their their own particular way. Uh, we saw Colorado; they're they're still able to come at Tampa in waves and waves of offense. Uh, you know, line after line, you you can really see their offensive depth. You can see their defensemen kind of getting engaged uh, off the rush, and you know they look great that way. Um, but Tampa, um, they always seem kind of dangerous off. You know, they play a solid defensive game, but also they're, they're really able with the talent that they have to, you know, hit you on the counterattack. Uh, so, you know, while Colorado seemed like they controlled most of the play for, and they have more shots and shit, um, you know, Tampa kind of came back in their own way. So, you know, Burkowski scored the 4-3 winner, but it was uh, very fun to watch. Yeah, and a lot of, like, the analysis of this series that I've read, listened to, it's like, Colorado's really good at this one thing. Tampa's really good at defending it. Tampa Bay's really good at doing this one thing. Colorado is typically extremely good at stopping that. And it's like, wow, everyone's so good at everything. Um, which is exactly what you expect and want to see in a Stanley Cup final. Two really good teams, of course. Um, but I want to uh, pinpoint a couple storylines that, you know, the drama, it's fun. And one of them is the Corey Perry angle. Because... Either Tampa Bay will win the Stanley Cup three years in a row, or Corey Perry will lose in the Stanley Cup final for three years in a row. And I love that type of thing. I eat that shit for breakfast, like lasagna. <laughs> um, the other, another fun angle is the Jack Johnson angle, which is Jack Johnson might win the Stanley Cup. <laughs> he might win the Stanley Cup, get his name on it, get to lift it around, despite being the worst player the worst regular player of the cap era. There, I'll go that far. And I don't think I'm exaggerating. Um, and you know what? I would not be opposed to that because it would be a win for incompetent fools everywhere. <laughs> Represent. Shout out. Yeah. Representation. <laughs> Wait, I, I got to see how much ice time. Was he Was he playing last night? I... He was playing last night. Absolutely. Wow. Right next to Josh Manson. What an icon. Uh, let's see how much how much ice time do you think he got? Okay. Do you see it in front of you? Am I, I supposed it. to guess? Okay. Oh well, I, I I just found it. Um. Okay, I, I don't. I'll guess. Yeah. Um. Ahead. I'll guess seventeen minutes. Okay, not not as much. No, you got twelve. Still twelve minutes too many for this dude. Okay. Uh, but yes. you know, not terrible. Not terrible. They clearly they leaned hard on you know Makar and Taves as they should. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. I just want to press on that Jack Johnson little narrative. Uh, because. I love it as well. Uh, it's inc- absolutely incredible. Look at that. How many series does he won now? Uh, he's won, what, three series? 
That's great. Well, he, I don't think he played in the first one, so I guess we can say two in which he played. Sure. He was rostered for three, okay? Uh, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, active participant in winning series. Look at him go. Look at him go. He managed to not, you know, be able to derail the Colorado Avalanche as he has his previous playoff teams. Um, so Wait. Yeah. I, I, I know this is Jack Johnson related, but it's going back a while. Have we ever made the correlation that the Kings were like, outside the playoff bubble in 2012 and then traded Jack Johnson in, as part of the trade for Jeff Carter and then went on an insane heater and won the Stanley Cup? Have we made that connection? No, I don't think we have. Well, now I we think... have. <laughs> surprise, surprise. He shows up again. Um, yeah, tr- truly a role model for all of us um, in that it's the opposite of a role model. The role, ma, don't. Um, is Jack Johnson? <laughs> it's a uh, what's the opposite of rolling, like standing or, or stationary? The stationary model. We love we love our Jack Johnson here, uh, and uh, of yeah. course the other scenario is that he blows it for them and That's, Tampa wins. Oh man, uh, wouldn't you love a game seven overtime turnover? Jack Johnson blows a tire. You know That's the dream scenario. <laughs> it would be peak comedy. It would be so funny. Um, either that or like Jack Johnson scores the winner and thus giving Corey Perry his third straight loss in a final. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jack Johnson scores a winning goal and no one's ever allowed to call him bad again. <laughs> He's immortalized. They put him in the Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah, give him a statue. <laughs> I, they, they do it in Colorado, outside the stadium. It becomes the Jack Johnson Arena uh, for hockey success. So... <laughs> Of of competence and success and not sucking at hockey. That's what <laughs> of the lack of turnovers, Jack Johnson. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that. Um, another uh, another angle. Yeah, this is the danger of Jack Johnson. We end up we always talk about him for like five minutes when there are much more interesting things to discuss. He's a trap. He's a he's a walking talking <laughs> trap. Whether it's for general managers, whether it's for cap sheets, whether it's for this podcast, he uh, he can't stop butting into the conversation. Um, but otherwise, we look other way, other where, uh, another interesting goalie, other where? other where, another interesting battle is the goalie battle because, uh, we have Vasilevsky versus, uh, the newly healthy Darcy Kemper. And I gotta say, neither of them looked particularly sharp. I found, um, you know, Vasilevsky, obviously the first couple of goals, uh, were kind of shit. Um, first one, he, you know, let a squeaker by him that Landeskog poked in second one went right through the five hole. Uh, so you know, not not a great day by Vasilevsky standards, uh, and I think I saw a stat. He hasn't had a he hasn't had a good run of game ones lately, something like that. Uh, pretty meaningless stat, but I thought I'd shout it out anyways. Uh, and for Darcy Kemper, I mean, he won. He was okay, but I feel like you know he hasn't had a good playoffs. When he has been healthy, he hasn't been great. Um, even pre eye injury, I wasn't particularly impressed with a guy who was just kind of you know holding the fort, but not particularly steadily. Uh, in this game, I, I thought, you know, the, 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 his, his team in front of him gave him a nice cushion. They gave him four goals. Uh, but, you know, if, it, if Tampa manages to shut it down and limit the number of goals that Colorado scores, which I imagine they will down the series and they, as they kind of, you know, lock up and adjust to each other's play styles, uh, I don't like Colorado's odds if, you know, he plays the way he did. Because, you know, whether it was Sergachev's goal or that first goal where, you know, it was Nick Paul on a breakaway 
and he fumbled it, and yet he still managed to score around him. Uh, I feel like you know we need to see more out of Kemper. Um, he doesn't need to outplay Vasilevsky, but I I think he definitely needs to be quite a bit better uh, for them to win comfortably. Yeah, um, this goaltending battle is a reason why I'm still comfortable with my Tampa prediction. Be- Darcy Kemper at his best, which he was for a lot of this regular season, is you know like a star goalie basically. He's really that good when he when he is. Um, but Vasilevsky is just at that level so much more often. And not only that, but he's been at that level uh, at the most important points throughout the playoffs. There was the whole, like, you know, uh, always winning after a loss stat, which New York wrecked. Um, But, you know, the the heart of the thing, the tendency is still there over the last three years or so. Um, And when it gets down to it, Vasilevsky and the Lightning defense have always buckled down and gotten the job done. And Colorado is their toughest test yet. but no test has beaten them so far. So I really do still like Tampa's odds with Vasilevsky in uh, the important high stakes situations. Yeah, that's fair. I think, you know, Colorado looks like the better team, like forward wise offensively. And they controlled, you know, they controlled the possession. Uh, but, you know, I Tampa can lock it down. And man, Dar- yeah, Darcy Kemper does make me really fucking nervous if I'm Colorado. He just, he just isn't <laughs> that, that good. Like, yeah. Like, he hasn't been that good this playoffs. Like, he's been, he had a great regular season, yes. But he's just, he looks shaky. And, you know, you're going up against Vasilevsky. You're going up against, the, you know, the counterattack lightning. You can't be just okay. You have to be, like, bona fide at least, like, good, right? Bordering on great. And he just isn't that. And he hasn't been all playoffs. And that's worrying, you know? Like, if he was great in round one, I'd be like, okay, that's great. But he was, you know, he's like injured and not great. So shaky. I'm worried from the avalanche in that sense. But you're up one nothing. Another fun storyline to watch. Uh, Kadri might come back at some point. Should he come back? Probably not because it's probably physically dangerous for him to do so. But around, uh, you know, game four, five, six, if it gets there, which it hopefully does. This is probably when we start hearing rumblings of, oh, is Nazem Kadri going to come and make the heroic comeback to second-line center and save the day for Colorado? Um, and, you know, it obviously, you know, is kind of disappointing if he isn't able to play in the Stanley Cup final, but with the objective material conditions of his injury, it probably would be the smart thing to do. As we know, that tends not to be what is done in this circumstance. Uh, and as it stands, actually, uh, Miko Rantanen, I think, was second line center yesterday, rather than someone like JT Comfer or Alex Newhook. Yeah, that's a a spicy twist. Uh, but for Kadri, you know, he's a UFA. He's about to make bank, um, especially given the season that he's had. You know, I understand wanting to play like it's his first Cup final. He he wants to contribute, but man, you you don't want to make that shit worse, right? I mean, what is it, broken thumb? Yeah. Um, that, you know, that affects your shooting. You don't want to permanently damage or anything. Uh, and you want a proper recovery. So, you know, hopefully he makes a smart decision for himself. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, sounds like he's day to day. That sounds like he's, his, his return is imminent, doesn't it? Uh, does it really sound like he's that close? I still, even with the, like, all players always come back at this time of year, it doesn't sound like a sure thing. I don't think. Yeah, maybe not. 
Yeah, but I, I saw the term day to day getting thrown around, so that usually means like, uh oh, you know. Mm. <laughs> okay, well, Kadri might come back. Any other, uh, any other points you want to make on the finals? Big bold predictions. Con Smythe favorites. Well, I mean, I feel like you know the Con Smythe favorites have been pretty thoroughly covered out here in in other forms of media, uh, whether it's you know Makar, Vasilevsky. Throw in a McKinnon, maybe even a Kucherov because he's looked so good. Uh, is there anything else you add to the conversation? Any sleepers? No, not really. Not really. Okay, well, yeah. I guess that's the conversation then. That's it. Um, that's it on the Stanley Cup Finals, I guess. Um, let's move on to less important things now, such as the happenings on hockey Twitter in the last like 10 days or so. Because there have been some some things worth discussing, <laughs> worth mentioning briefly. Um, one of them was hockey players with animals did the bit of my sister who doesn't watch hockey tries to guess the players of the names of players just by their faces, and it'll be like four headshots of like I don't know players on the Washington Capitals. And they'll be like, Todd, Hugo, Jason, or whatever the fuck. The least funny thing you've ever seen, all right? <laughs> but then everyone couldn't get enough. The verified accounts of teams were replying like, this is hilarious. The Bridgeport Sound Tigers were like, do us next. And the hockey players with animals replied like, okay, just send me four players. And the Sound Tigers were like, Okay, after discussion in the boardroom, we've decided on these or whatever. It's great. And then ESPN had an article that was like, uh, the funniest thing on hockey Twitter today, without question, is uh, hockey players with animals doing this sister bit. Um, But then, of course, uh, Erickson's burner. I found the tweet I was telling you about before the show. Uh, It goes, starting discourse that hockey players with animals is exploiting the labor of her sister. Um, and then there's a, oh, that, then there's a thread and there's a different one, um, that goes, uh, the sends are actually reaching unprecedented levels of girl boss. The sleigh has never been higher reply. Hey, at ESPN from the, the same person from Erickson's burner. I think when you were making your designations for funniest Twitter account, you may have missed this tweet of mine. Please issue a correction <laughs> as soon as possible. Thanks. So, uh, what's, what's your thought on the, the goings on here? Oh, wait. I'll finish the story actually, because then there were there were rumors going around about how it was fake, like she didn't actually have a sister or whatever, or she was like faking the text messages, and she ended up basically defending herself in the vein of like, uh, I I don't care if you think it's fake and I'm lying. There are more important problems in the world. I just why can't you just let people enjoy things, or whatever? What's your thought on the situation? Well, I I gotta say, one of the, the more I think about it, the dumber the bit gets. Um, and yeah, like it's I feel like there are like even bet just better variations on this whole like getting someone who doesn't know the sport to name them. Like I feel like logos, like you know team logos, is an overdone bit. But I feel like at least it's funnier because you know you can try to guess based on because these logos are supposed to say something, you know. You know, like a a random fucking person's face 
isn't supposed to screen their name necessarily. Uh, and <laughs> you know, like it's like okay, the Bridgeport set, the Bridgeport fucking Sound Tigers. Uh, I mean, I couldn't name any of them. Doesn't need to be some 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 like some somebody who doesn't follow hockey. Just ask me. I don't know any fucking Bridgeport Sound Tigers. So if you ask me, you could ask me to do that bit, or you could just ask me to do the bit about anybody on the street. Uh, and you know, I don't see why it's <laughs> why it's such a racket. Why it's the funniest thing on hockey Twitter of the day, according to ESPN. Uh, I just think you know we need to we need to collectively improve our sense of humor because this is I don't like this bit. Then at eight nineteen p.m. on June tenth, Animals of Hockey tweeted, "I will never let hate win." Heart emoji. Here's Elias Pettersson in a Christmas sweater riding a motorcycle with a dog. <laughs> cool <laughs> what am i supposed to take away from that tweet <laughs> i will never let hate win the haters who think you're faking it man well do we think she's faking it that, let's, let's ask that question what i do you think? could not care less i okay. do not care <laughs> cannot stress this enough just take a guess anyways you know do you think do you think whoever's running the account they're like nagging their sister with with every request oh here how about you know, these Ottawa 67s? You know, I think it is fake because I think after the accusations, and most people would have been like, nope, here's a picture of me and my sister or whatever. Yeah. Um, but she was just like, who cares if it's fake? That doesn't even matter. I think they're fake. Great A gaslighting. So I, uh, yeah, I'm on team fake as well. So yeah, that's okay. I feel like we've talked too much about this bit. About. Absolutely. Let's move on to something else that matters almost the same amount, uh, which is the video of Connor McDavid that was circulating of him walking around town with some other girl that isn't his girlfriend. And actually, I still haven't watched the video with sound on. Yeah. I don't know if you have, but was whoever filming, did they shout like Connor? And then like McDavid turned and he got like this ghost stare in his eyes of like, oh shit, oh fuck. <laughs> Yes, he did. Yeah, 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 I watched the video with sound. He he says he yells his name, and Connor does indeed give him the "oh shit, I've been so fucking busted in 4K" kind of look. Uh, and uh, but like, of course, what are you thinking? Like, of course you're <laughs> gonna get caught. Of course someone's gonna see you and film you. Uh, maybe you didn't think you'd get recognized or something. I don't fucking know. Um, yeah, that's that's so great for the state of hockey, <laughs> isn't it? Best player in the world is like, oh, no one will recognize me if I walk around town. <laughs> exactly um you know that's well what well, do we know where that was was that in Edmonton? did he think he could get away with that in edmonton that's the real question i don't know where else he would have been <laughs> fair enough uh well i mean it, it is his off season so maybe he's on some sort of trip but if he was on some sort of trip you would imagine it would be with his girlfriend um so you know either way it's questionable uh and yeah it's just <laughs> The reaction on hockey Twitter was like, like weirdly funny too. It was just like, it was funny. What's not funny about that? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, uh, guy gets completely busted in four. It seems like he was pretty plastered too. Um, and <laughs> yeah, everybody's just like, you know, like, wow, you you designed a ho- you designed a home with her. How could you do her like this, Connor? Uh, and uh, that was the bit. I like the home bit. Whenever anybody referenced the home, you know. Their 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 tastefully decorated house, I was on board. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, so people were saying like, "Oh, Connor's gonna be sleeping on his heated driveway tonight <laughs> that shovels itself." 
Oh, yeah, did, uh, did they was was that something they pointed out in the video or in the article? Yeah, he has a heated driveway. Yeah, you might have to sleep on that kitchen counter. Oh, oh no! Yikes! <laughs> did you see? Um, pointy. Someone made like a fake notes app apology. Yeah, <laughs> I, saw uh, it. I was it, I was absolutely yeah. convinced. It had me till the very end. Yeah, I, me too. Me too. I was like, oh shit! It, it had like you know like the posted on Instagram kind of thing, like you know the Instagram story timer uh-huh, thing on the yeah. top. It was they they went for it. It was like full send, uh, and and then you got to the last line. And you're like, oh, I've I've been had. Mm-hmm. Which you know, it's a fun type of prank where the prank itself is like, haha, got you. But I I kind of wish it had been the Mister Booth style where it was totally fake, but you couldn't <laughs> tell. Like it just seemed so real, you know. Yeah, I was I was I was gonna say you got boothed, but no, you didn't you didn't retweet or anything. You know what I mean? Like it was it was, the uh-huh. was clear. But absolutely, we, we where has he been on Twitter recently? I haven't seen him on David or oh, Mr. Booth or Booth. <laughs> Why was I thinking Big David? The real hockey icon, Mr. Booth. Um, <laughs> I do not know. Uh, I team got suspended again. Honestly, damn, that's a that's a real yeah, shame. Oh, no. oh, wait, here is never mind. That's a different Mr. This is Mr. Booth Y six. I don't even know who that is. Yeah, I see Mr. Booth appears to be nowhere to be found. Wow. Such is the price you pay to for to be a legend. <laughs> for shamelessly impersonating accounts. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. Beautiful. Uh-huh. All right, next thing. This one I think is like it got a little bit too much traction, the Sammy Blay thing. It's just this is just um, weird. This is just weird. I, I just I don't know. No, see okay. Yeah. So basically so Sammy Blay uh replied to his sister's instagram story like pumal sexy um and I, I didn't see that at first all i saw was like sammy blay wants to have sex with his sister oh that's so gross i was like what the hell and when i got to the bottom of it i was like oh that's like I, and then i was like i think people are overreacting to this and someone said like you know in like quebecois people you use like sexy as a slang right you know it's just like a complimented you know, right and i was like i think that makes total sense is it because i live in quebec like i'm an anglophone i don't speak quebecois french or whatever but i don't think that that word necessarily has the connotation of like i want to have sex right i was like so blown away by the by the reaction right yeah what i meant weird i was like this everybody seems weirdly invested in this Instagram comment. Yeah, uh, it's just uh, like, oh, you look great. That's it. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't, yeah, like, I don't understand how we got to the point where this, like, everybody's like, this is definitely incest. Where I was like, okay, <laughs> no, I feel like <laughs> that took it a bit too far. Like, you Absolutely. know, <laughs> it just, it felt like it was too big of a takeaway from too small a thing. You know what I mean? Like, you might raise an eyebrow at that comment, especially if you're not Quebecois, you don't speak the language, whatever. But to be like, to make a whole Twitter bit out of it, like, Sammy Blaze incestuous and like, that's trending all of a sudden. It felt a bit over the top, you know? Like, out of nowhere. It was oversized. I do have to admit the framing was kind of funny, though. People being like, no, no, no. (laughs) Sammy Blaze isn't incestuous. He's just Quebecois. It's part of the culture. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, but 
Yeah, just just I I it was a weird day. That happened on the same day, didn't it? Like yeah, as the McDavid it was like, stuff. At the same time, basically. <laughs> just just strangely, I don't know. Like deranged is the word I would describe. Like you know, like it just people are weird, man, and it's just it makes for great entertainment. And I'm mm-hmm. talking about the people on Twitter, not even the people involved necessarily. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, I want to use this like Twitter talk to pivot over to like some brief, brief draft talk. Um, okay. In that, here's 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 what I'm here's what I'm saying. Uh, so Sportsnet, and specifically Sam Cosentino, who's like the de facto Sportsnet prospect guy, came out with his final rankings, final prospect rankings for the draft, and it's a top, um, thirty-two, I think. So not extremely extensive. But, you know, to be expected, more or less, a top 32, because there are 32 picks in the first round. Um, But all of these, you know, descriptions of the prospects are so brief and so devoid of substance (laughs) that, which is is the case, like, if you want to be brief, that's fine. Give me one or two sentences, as long as I learn something. The the one that was making the rounds on Twitter yesterday was the description of... uh, Noah Warren, who um, is ranked number 32. And this is the one sentence that Sam Cosentino wrote about him. Are you ready? Did you see this? No, I didn't. Okay. Possesses rare asset with the wherewithal to know what he is and how he has to play. That's it. Incredible. How insightful. Do you know, do you know anything new about Noah Warren? <laughs> He possesses something rare, apparently. Do you know what it is? <laughs> no, I don't. It's the wherewithal to know what he is and how he has to play. He's so self-aware. This guy is crazy. <laughs> uh-huh. And that was the one that people were really going like, okay, what are we doing here? Come on, give me something. And I opened this up and I went to the top of the list where Shane Wright is. And I was like, most of these aren't much better. Um. So Shane writes, says, despite teams in the media questioning a perceived lack of compete at times, we still have to project and write projects to be the most complete player in this draft class. Okay, I, so I found my to... favorite. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, oh, what was the other one I was looking at? Uh, oh, oh, I know what it was. It was Cutter Gauthier. This was the one I was like, oh my God. Is this the one you're, you see too? No, it's not. I'm looking at a different one. But go ahead. Okay, I haven't gone through all of them, but Cutter Gauthier's. His own opinion is that he should be in the conversation as the first player taken. While that assessment may be a little heady, he does fit inside the top 10 of this class. All that tells me is, which what I already knew, which you because you ranked him number seven, is that he's in the top 10. Uh, and he's confident, I guess. <laughs> Nothing. Absolutely dick all. My favorite is uh, we go down to number... Pick number, I think, 30. I'm just making my way there. Yeah, pick number 30. Uh, you know how, like, some of these have, like, uh, like a little, like, a, you know, not just the little blur, but they have more information, you know, stats and whatnot. Uh, for uh-huh. Yuri Coolidge, they don't. And so this is literally the only thing on the guy. Here we go. Was his nine-goal effort at the U18s a mirage or a true representation of what you would be able to do <laughs> in the NHL? I don't know, Sam. You tell me. That's it. That's all there is. <laughs> I, just, I started reading it as you did. 
I could I why can't I be the lead draft analyst for Sportsnet? I could write more about Yuri Kulitz right now, probably. Uh, yeah. Wow. I'm gonna I'm gonna pick uh one of these players right now and I'm gonna write my own report without knowing it. Here, number twenty one, Owen Pickering. Um here's here's what my ranking is gonna be. Does Owen Pickering belong in the top twenty? <laughs> Some might say so, but we have him just outside. He just missed the cut. <laughs> Here's here's the actual thing that's written. Has climbed steadily from the start of the season, and that climb is not expected to be slow now. (laughs) All around the internet, there are so many great sites with great, you know, prospect reports that go into detail about a player's strengths, the player's weaknesses, this, that, everything, how they're gonna project to certain levels. So much detail from very smart people. And then Sportsnet, which is like, you know, the head broadcaster in Canada, throws one guy at the draft to basically post a stat page and a single sentence with nothing in it. It's awful. <laughs> For Yuri Coolidge, they couldn't even get him to write a declarative sentence. They had to, you had to ask a question. <laughs> That's so dumb. Um, yeah, it's the rights holder. For Canada. How are you not able to, you know, write a coherent draft article for crying out loud? Um, yep. I can't imagine their draft content gets much better than this anyways. Uh, let me know if you see an article on about Yuri Coolidge on Sportsnet. I would be <laughs> okay. shocked. See, I much prefer, like, the thing TSN did with Bob's list because he's just going, here's what the scout said, you know? And that provides value into, you know, what the teams are thinking. Which a lot of the other sites, you know, don't. They're like, here's what I'm thinking. And it's very valuable. Both of those are, you know, valuable and important. But I like the Bob McKenzie known at TSN is like, here's, well, I guess Craig Button does this. He's like, here's my take on the scouts. I'm not on the scouts. On the player. This player reminds me of Billy Watkins, who I played against in 1970, blah, because he skates fast or whatever. And it's like, thanks, Craig. Can we go back to Bob now? Who's just going to go that most of the scouts rank him number 22? Because that's more interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that question that was it, Sam Constantino asked, I can't say it's interesting in the slightest. I can't get over it. I can't get over it. This is what he turned in. He sent this to his editor. He's like, I want this published on the site as our final edition draft prospect rankings for the year. This shit. Oh, God. What a piece yeah, of this junk. This was basically asked, like, like, he was really good in a small sample size. Will he be good in a big sample size? End of end of just end. That's where it ends. That's it. There's no trade. I don't know anything about the guy. Like I learned zero things other than an arbitrary stat. He scored nine goals at the U18s. I don't know anything. That's like pretty good. It's pretty good. I don't know how many games he did that in. I don't. I didn't. I wasn't keeping track of the U18s. And uh, also, that's the world's smallest sample size either way. Like, man, <laughs> who cares? Who fucking cares? Like, God. Okay. Give us something productive, please. Okay. Uh, let's talk about some more concrete news now. Um, Boston, first of all, fired Bruce Cassidy, which had just happened right before our last episode. And now already he's found a new team, the Vegas Golden Knights. I say this is a pretty shrewd hiring for Vegas. Because I think, honestly, Cassidy's probably a perfect fit there for a couple of reasons. Um, first of all, 
Boston, as we know, was a very top-heavy team, especially at forward. Um, and Vegas does have, you know, pretty decent depth, but they would love to get more out of their top guns, especially Jack Eichel this past season. And maybe that's something Bruce Cassidy kind of, you know, can it maybe that's a particular strength of his. Another reason is that apparently one reason things didn't go so well in Boston was that uh, he wasn't very good with the young players. Particularly, I think Jack, Jack Studnicka was like not very fond of him and how short his leash was whenever he got into the lineup, which was a rare occurrence. But Vegas, that's okay. They don't even have any young players. So, uh, you know, they traded all their draft picks away. They have, who, who's even like the youngest player on their team now after they, they traded Peyton Krebs? Uh, is it Nolan Patrick? Probably not many older than, uh, younger than Nolan Patrick. So I do think that Bruce Cassidy is going to lift Vegas right back into the playoffs with relative ease. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, I think he was the second best coach available on the on the market, aside from Barry Trotz. Clear that, you know, we never heard anything linking Vegas to Trotz, so he probably weren't in the running. And so you get the next best guy uh, who probably shouldn't be on the coaching market to begin with. Uh, so, yeah, like what, you know, you can't fault Vegas for, uh, well, you can fault them for firing Gerard Gallant too soon, but you know, so far in their franchise history, they've had three pretty decent coaches. So, you know, seems like they're pretty good at the thing. You know, Pete DeBoer, he's fine. He's all right. He's an okay coach. And Bruce Cassidy has a track record of being able to really kind of extract performance and, uh, be pretty good tactically when it comes to on the ice. Uh, and yeah, this this you're right. This is a very old team, uh, and there's really like you know, right now on their cap friendly, we can talk about Nolan Patrick. Uh, but m- among their forwards, like their youngest is probably Jack Eichel, at like 25. Everybody else is older. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there we go. You're right. Don't have to deal with any young guys uh, if there aren't any on the roster. Yep. Um, the other coach. Who got hired, or is at least about to, is John Tortorella. Uh, this this is a fun one. Um, so he's going to Philadelphia, which you know, in some ways, like, well, how did this not happen sooner? You know, the stereotypical like abrasive market with fans who yell all the time, and the coach who, I don't have time for your bullshit or whatever. Um, they are linking up at exactly the time when the Flyers have never been worse. Or at least it's been a very long time since they've been this bad. Uh, and what the Flyers' upper management is hoping Tortorella can do is, uh, I guess, get them to the playoff bubble again by squeezing as much value as possible out of, like... I'm trying to think of depth forwards that are on their team now. And literally, Oscar Lindblom. Who else? Uh, I guess, like, Owen Tippett is technically a depth forward, but that probably won't be such a great fit. I see waivers for Owen Tippett in the foreseeable future. Uh, Cam Atkinson has to be coached by Tortorella again. Best of luck to him. Uh, I would not want to go through that journey two times. Um, Do you think Tortorella, who is notorious for, you know, giving teams a boost right when he gets there and then the shine wears off not long after, could that bring the Flyers back to the playoffs in a very weak Metro division? I think it could. I think it's a bad hire because it'll screw your organization over because you can't rebuild properly. Because that this is what Tortorella does, right? He did it in Columbus this whole time. Yeah, he has a shit roster and he can bring you to the bubble. That's great. You know what? It, it got them 
to you know winning in the playing round against against uh, Toronto and then beating Tampa Bay and then they did shit all in the second round. Like that's that's a very very max of what you can do. Uh, and obviously he's going to grind on your star players. But the nice thing about Philadelphia is that they don't really have any, do they? So that works out. Um, but yeah, I think you know I think they can you know it, because it's so weak. I wouldn't count on it. Now, you asked me to fill out my standings, even with John Tortorella. I don't have Philly in my top three. I don't have them making the playoffs. But sure, I'll have them like fourth, maybe fifth in the Metro, uh, just outside. Sure, because I think Tortorella can do that. That's what he's the expert at. You give him a bad roster, and he can squeeze all the performance you can get out of it, but nothing more. And you sure shit shouldn't give him a good roster because he'll, you know, he'll wear out his welcome fast. Uh, So, yeah, I don't. You know, I don't love the hire because it shows a lack of direction for the Flyers. Mm-hmm. Well, it just shows the wrong direction, which is we can still compete, which, of course, you know, uh, is delusional. I think the Flyers, here's my early prediction, they will b- bounce back into the playoffs this year. Also, because they were missing uh, their most important player by far, Sean Couturier, for most of the season, which, you know, they were so bad he wouldn't have single-handedly lifted them to the playoffs. Um, but that plus, I think, you know, this kind of does look like the a type of team that Tortorella could get the most out of, which, which is, you know, a team with pretty much no offensive punch at all. And he's like, perfect dream come true. Let's <laughs> get it, make every game one, one in overtime and hope to get the second point by luck. Yeah. That's the way he works, isn't it? Just, <laughs> Just boring hockey. The Flyers are must not watch TV next year. I can must guarantee not. it. Except for yeah. the Rast- Rasmus Ristolainen shifts. Gotta watch those. But even then, it's just, you know, like I-, I doubt they'll be in the offensive zone at all. You know, might set a record for most time spent in the defensive zone. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe 30 seconds on the counterattack. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, this this team is pretty devoid of talent. I mean, like Sean Couturier, we see some regression, and Kenny's still healthy, and like you know, Provorov's fine. Now what? What's after that? Travis Konechny, kind of middling. Joel Farabee's cool, but that's it. That's it. Like there's there's nothing there's nothing here. Um, this team should tear it down to the to the bones because uh, yeah, absolutely, it's terrible. This there's so many long game. contracts too. Yeah, <laughs> yikes. Oh God. I like Kevin Hayes signed till 2026, Joel Farabee till 2028, Scott Lawton to 2026, Ristolainen, of course, to 2027, and Sean Couturier to 2030 at almost $8 million per year, and he's 29 years old. That cannot age well. This, this roster is, is going to age hor- horrendously, and it's already bad. Ryan Ellis, too. <laughs> Ryan Ellis, too, to 2027, 6.25, and he's 31. How did somebody let, like, the, you know, what was the GM here? Who was it? Is it Chuck Fletcher? Or is it Chuck Fletcher? Okay. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. How did did the owner let him do this? This is is an abomination. Jesus. This This looks like a wasteland. Like that—that's the appropriate really term. Yeah, it's crazy how fast it went from like, oh, they're up and coming, 
they're, you know, on a hot streak in 2020 to what it is today. That yeah. felt like they were going to be so good. Yeah. Well, didn't we, we had like, you know, people picked them far going far in that bubble playoff, right? They were like on a heater. Uh, yeah. And then it, wait, didn't, did they, what happened? Did they lose? Did they beat Montreal? They lost to the Islanders in round two after beating Montreal. Okay. Right. Yeah. That, that's that's the peak. Um, yikes. <laughs> yeah. Yikes. Yikes. Oh, God. There's nothing good I have to say about this roster at all. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Martin Jones. All right. UFA. Well, before we do guess who, before we do guess who, I want to ask you if you saw what happened in baseball yesterday. No, I didn't. What happened in baseball yesterday? Something extremely notable happened. Um, do you know what an immaculate inning is? Yes. It's uh All right. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, I I guess I'll explain it to the people sure. who don't know. Um basically, uh when a pitcher uh strikes out three batters in a row in one inning and does so in exactly three strikes each without throwing any balls, um, then that is an immaculate inning. And it's very rare. And it had only happened uh, 105 times in all of Major League Baseball history. And Major League Baseball history stretches back to like before the 20th century, I think. So, long time. Also, you probably would have guessed that it has never happened twice on the same day. And you would also probably guess that it's never happened twice in the same game. I think maybe you can see where I'm going with this. Because yesterday in a game between two teams, so I don't remember who they were, um, (laughs) (laughs) there were two immaculate innings thrown. Uh, They were not by the same pitcher, but they were by pitchers on the same team. And here's the real kicker. They were against the exact same three batters. Oh, (laughs) that's hilarious. It is. Uh, it, uh, I remember none of the names or what teams it was, but I know I'm 100% accurate about everything else. Wow. That's astounding. A statistical marvel. Absolutely. Good, a a good real for, outlier. Good for the two pitchers. Uh, and uh, shame on the three batters who did as poorly as you could in an inning. You really... <laughs> <laughs> you played yourselves. Did, did, who won? Do you know who won? Did they pitch two immaculate innings and then lose the game? I don't know who's playing. I didn't expect me to know what the final score was. Fair enough. So there we go. I'll look it up, though, since you're so curious. Um, All right. Uh, This was pitchers on the, I think, Orioles versus the Rangers. Does that sound right? Or the Astros. On On the Astros against the Rangers. Yeah. Yeah, it was the Astros pitchers. Okay. Well, there we go. There you have it. News break. Oh, Wait, Ast- okay. So like it was like a interstate matchup too, you know? Yeah. Texas, Texas matchup. Mm-hmm. Big whoop. And uh, I'm looking up. I looked up just Astros Rangers final, and Akosha showed me a box score from May 20th. Oh my god. Uh, whatever. <laughs> Who cares? No one really cares. Look it up if you if you want. Um, but we are going to be moving on to guess who now. There we go. So congratulations. Do we do we want to mention Jeremy Lozon's new contract before? Uh, go for it. So Jeremy Lozon got a new contract. Not much more to say. Uh, but two million dollars for four years for Jeremy fucking Lozon to stay in Nashville. 
just incredible. When we talk about these bad contracts that are like, oh, how did they get here? And like, they're kind of screwing the cap situation of the team. Um, and like, how are they so close to the cap? This is why. Because you signed Jeremy Lozon for four years. There's no need for that. There was no urgency to sign Jeremy Lozon until 2026. Complete joke. Joke of a contract. Correct. All right. Time for guess who. So, All right. Um, so we picked this team on Sunday when we thought we were going to be doing this on Sunday. Uh, we were going, what's notable in the past week? Well, the Detroit Red Wings signed Elmer Soderblom to his entry-level contract. So let's do the Red Wings. So that's what we're doing. Here are the players. Alex Nadelchkovic, Thomas Grice, Moritz Sider, Philip Ronick, Jordan Osterley, Danny DeKaiser, Mark Stahl, Gustav Lindstrom, Ole Ulevi, Jake Wallman, Stephen Camford, Dylan Larkin, Jakob Verana, Tyler Bertuzzi, Lucas Raymond, Pia Suda, Robbie Fabry, Philip Zadina, Oscar Sundquist, Adam Ernie, Michael Rasmussen, Joe Valeno, Giovanni Smith, Mitchell Stevens, and Sam Gagne. You'll notice that some of these players are pending UFAs who may never play for the Red Wings again. Um, probably next time we play this game, we will be updating to next season's rosters. Perfect. All right. Let's get a move on it. Um, while, uh, yeah, the, notably, a lot of these players are not so notable. Um, okay. All right. I have my player. I got mine too. I will mute my incoming audio in three, two, one. Lucas Raymond. Okay. And I'm back. All right. I will be muting in three, two, one. My player is Thomas Grice. All right. I'm back. Just to confirm, do you have a number listed for Stephen Camphor? I do not. Okay. Me neither. It's good to know. Mm-hmm. Just run Because he doesn't page. have one. Okay. Yeah, so I guess we're kind of mixing like last year's Detroit team with also one player they signed for next year who hasn't played for them yet, but whatever. It's the off season. It happens. Get over it. Happens. It happens. There we go. <laughs> All right. Uh, so I think you won last time to continue the hope. So I sure that, did. That leaves me with home ice advantage. So you can begin. Ask your first question. All right. Um, I was going to ask a certain thing, but that doesn't split well. So what if I go by number? How does that look? How does that treat me? This is okay. Yeah, this is good. Uh, is your player's number 39 or less? Uh, yes. Okay. Fine by me. I'm glad that is the case. Uh, I am going to ask you, was your player drafted by a team other than the Detroit Red Wings? Yes, my player was drafted by a team other than the Detroit Red Wings. Okay. Spicy. All right. Here's here's a good one. Here's a fun one. Old, reliable classic. Actually, never mind. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um... <laughs> I was gonna do as your player forward, but I don't like the split it gives me. So, all right, what if we split by? What if we rank by age now? How does that put us? Mm, yeah, this this will this will do. This will work. Uh is your players is your player twenty five or younger? Hmm. My player is twenty five or younger. Ooh. 
We'd love to see it. Spicy. Okay. All right. Moving on. I will be using last name. I think that works. So as your player's last name, start with the letter K or earlier in the alphabet. Sorry, I think it sounded like you said A. Did you say K? I said K, yes. Okay, yes, my player's last name does start with K or earlier in the alphabet. Okay. All right, I'm down to six. All right. Does your player's first name start with... Uh, no, not going to do that. Never mind. Um, hmm. Ooh, all these players are like... Well, most of these players are very unnotable, which makes it challenging. All right. Yeah, I'll do first name. Is your, is your player's first name start with uh, a letter G or earlier in the alphabet? No. Okay. So we are down to three now. Okay. L-M-M. Was your player drafted in the first round? No, my player was not drafted in the first okay. round. Okay, I'm down to three. Yikes. All right. There we go. So, okay, I got Lucas Raymond, Michael Rasmussen, and Mitchell Stevens. I am uh, feeling like I should steer clear of Lucas Raymond for being among the most notable players on the Red Wings, which leaves us with bottom-of-the-barrel Mitchell Stevens and mid-tier kind of guy Michael Rasmussen. So, I'm thinking mid-tier guy. Is your player Michael Rasmussen? No, it's not. Yikes. It's not Michael Rasmussen. Okay, all right. For the win on this round, I've got three guys. I got one of them as a goalie. Great vibes. So we're not taking that. It's Thomas Grice. Uh, we have Adam Ernie and Stephen Kampfer. Noted no number Stephen Kampfer. And, uh, you know, you have Adam Ernie who represents nothing in my eyes. So... <laughs> Is your player Adam Ernie? Adam Ernie. No, it's not Adam Ernie. <laughs> oh, come on. Apparently, he doesn't represent Adam the Ernie, correct who has answer, no principles. <laughs> he doesn't. What more is there to say? All right, go ahead. Is your player Mitchell Stevens? It's not Mitchell Stevens. Oh, no. Are you kidding me? <laughs> disaster for you. <sighs> but it could be disaster for me if I can't pick the correct one between goalie and... Lack of number. Um, I will be picking Stephen Kampfer. Is your player Stephen Kampfer? No, my player is not Stephen Kampfer. Tragic. Absolutely tragic. Go ahead. Is your player Lucas Raymond? Yeah, it's Lucas. Is your player Thomas Grace? Yes, my player is Thomas okay. Grace. Yeah, had me. Yeah, wow, we both for butchered that round hard. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> Intensely bad. Uh, so, mm. shoot. Maybe I should have guessed goalie that time around you definitely should have that time <laughs> that's what the stats say <laughs> okay the raw data <laughs> the analytics okay. state i should have tried to win all right <laughs> okay i have my new player now me too okay i will mute three two one dylan larkin and i'm back all right i'm muting in three two one my player is the lovely Mark Stahl. Okay. I've returned. Okay. Well, 
Um, I suppose it is now time for my guessing. Right? Yes, it's my turn. Uh, it's my turn actually, because because you went first last time. Oh yes. Yeah. You are you are correct. That's right. Thank you. What was the what the if one game I about to propose? Was there a what if? Oh, I was just talking about where to where what I should my guess should be my ah, question. Okay. Well, then I'll hit you with a number question. Is your player's number thirty or less? Yes, my player's number is thirty or less. Okay. Exciting. Was your player drafted in the top thirty? Yes. Lovely, absolutely gorgeous, down to eleven. Ah, oh, that's unfortunate. Uh hmm. That was a quick. You went for a risk, didn't you? That's whack. Uh, slightly, but also, uh, I did cut off both goalies. And no numbers <laughs> ah! to even camper on the other side of things. So that's okay. kind of the like, you know, if I end up with a bigger chunk, at least I have some who it probably isn't. But now right. I have the smaller chunk instead. Must be nice. Give it away my strategy. It's crazy. I might steal it. Was your, was your uh, player drafted by a team not, that is not the Detroit Red Wings? I'm reusing questions. Shame yes, me. my player was drafted by a team that was not the Detroit Red Wings. Okay. Cool. Was your player draft? No, I'm not going to do that. Uh, oh, I'm look. Oh, why do? Why does every single player on the Red Wings have correct vibes? What's <laughs> up with that? <laughs> um, um, this makes maybe that's why we both guessed wrong f- twice each when we yeah. were in our final three. Um, all right, time for a boring old number question. Is your player's number twenty-seven or less? Uh, no. Okay. Well, I am now down to five. All right. Uh, I'm going to ask, was your player drafted in 2014? No, my player was not drafted in 2014. Wow. Interesting. Thomas Grice is back in my final three. All right. I am going to to guess, um, was your player drafted by the Detroit Red Wings? Uh, hmm. Yes, they were. Okay, very interesting. I have a final three of three players who actually somehow don't have correct vibes. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> I am. Uh, I'm breathing a sigh of relief. I guess if I could have, I could have gone into uh, you're in two territory. No, that split. Yes. Okay. It could have happened that way. I am thankful. All right, I'm down to Thomas Grice again, Mark Stahl, old-ass Mark Stahl, and Mitchell Stevens. Man. You know who gives correct vibes? Mitchell Stevens. Is your player Mitchell Stevens? No, my player is not Mitchell Stevens. Tragic. All right. Ah. On my yeah. side of things, we have uh, probably Calder winner more at Cider. Team captain Dylan Larkin. And you just had important player Lucas Raymond last round. So I'm thinking we steer clear of those important players and go with the still somewhat notable, but less relevant, didn't even play in the NHL all year, Joe Valeno. Is your player Joe Valeno? No. My player is no. not Joe Valeno. 
Okay. All right. I have Thomas Grice or Mark Stahl. I can't go Thomas Grice. I have to ask, is your player Mark Stahl? Yes, my player is Mark Stahl. Amen. <laughs> oh, I wish I got Thomas Grice again. <laughs> okay. Mort Sider, Dylan Larkin. It really feels like there's no correct answer here. I'm getting flashbacks to like the uh, the times when I would always lose and lost like five in a row. Where it's like, wow, whatever, I guess I'll be wrong. Um, But I'll... You know, you, there's no way you got, like, both star rookies. No way. Is your player Dylan Larkin? Yeah, it's Dylan Larkin. Hey, right. another nice. tie. All right. Oof. Wait, if I tie here, I win the series. Is that right? The series? Oh, you mean, like, the all 32? Yes, the 32-team round series. Um, Something well, like if that. You w- no, you wouldn't. After this, ah. we still have five teams left to do. And you are up 12 to 8 with 7 ties. So if you win this one, then that means you clinch at least a tie. Okay. All right. Let's attempt to win it right here, right now. Yeah, I'm going to attempt to win it also, just so you know. Okay. Thanks for the heads up. I'm muting in 3, 2, 1. Giovanni Smith. And I'm back. All right, I am uh, muting in three, two, one. My player is Jordan Osterley. Okay, I'm back. Okay, turn. my turn to guess. All right, it's all this for all the marbles, for all the Detroit marbles. Yeah. Hmm. Let's go with. Uh, is your players? Uh, does your player's first name start with the letter J or earlier in the alphabet? Yes. Okay. I'm down to 12. This is all right. All right. Uh, is your player Canadian or Czech? Um, no, my player is not Canadian or Czech. All right. Good start. Good start. Down to 13, I think. So I have the slight edge. Would you look at that? Congratulations. Mm. Thank you, thank you. Is your player's number 39 or less? Uh, hmm. No. Tough question. No, okay. It's not. Upon further analysis, six. it is not. Uh, okay, all right. Let me sort these. Hmm. Maybe by first. I haven't done a name question today. I don't think. Maybe I did one. You've done. You've done last name questions. Ah. So maybe I'll do a first name question then. Uh is your does your player's first name start with the letter J or earlier in the alphabet? Yes. All right. That's good. That is All right. positive news. Was your player drafted by the Detroit Red Wings? Uh, my player was, yes, drafted by the Detroit Red Wings. Okay. You're down to three. Okay. I shall be down to three once I ask this question and you answer it. Uh, was your player drafted in the second round? No, my player was not drafted in the second round. All right. Down to a triplet. Go ahead. 
Okay. So, my final three are Dylan Larkin, who you had last round, Joel Valeno, who I guessed last round, and Giovanni Smith. It is very clear which direction the fates are tempting me towards, and I will follow them. Is your player Giovanni Smith? Yes. Unfortunately. Yes! Tragically. What a great round of performance by me. It is Giovanni Smith. Uh, I'm left with Dylan Larkin, who keeps showing up. Danny DeKaiser and Jordan Osterley. I've played myself. These two are identical American (laughs) defensemen who shoot left, undrafted, high numbers. Same person. Fuck's sake. The shot in the dark. Is your player Jordan Osterley? Yes, my player. Ah, oh, yes. <sighs> Out of nowhere. Brilliant. Sad, sad. Oh well, ties all the way through. Incredible. We've reached peak performance. Ignore the fact that we missed all our guests in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh well. Peak performance. Well, we now have as many ties as I have wins. Which actually, I think is an imp- at earlier points, there were more ties than I had wins. So, I'm trending up. Indeed. If you could say so. Um, all right. I think I'm now, now officially, I'm a tie away from clinching the series. I just have to uh, yeah. prevent you yeah, from... We, only have, we have five teams left. Chicago, yeah. Nashville, the Islanders, Washington, and Winnipeg. Just need to prevent you from running the table. Play some defense. Boo. I'm going to run the table. Just wait and see. Here it comes. Here comes my big comeback. We're waiting I was on hoping, it. Yeah. I was hoping that uh, I would get the opportunity if I had like five players left and two of them were Adam Ernie and Mitchell Stevens that I could ask, was your player drafted 33rd overall by the Tampa <laughs> Bay Lightning? So that I could <laughs> split it either split it two and three. Damn. It never got around to that, did it? Did it? Nope. Never did. Shame. Maybe next time. No, that's not true. Um, <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> this is the one chance. That was a disingenuous All right. consolation. All right. Absolutely. You're just a, a, a liar. Big fat liar. Okay, well, we will next we probably won't do Sunday because that's only three days from now. Um you can probably expect to hear our next episode on like Tuesday or Wednesday, so that almost a week passed, and then we'll eventually lodge ourselves back on to Sunday routinely. Um, but thanks for listening, of course, to Fusion and Hockey Podcast. Uh, we are going to recap more Stanley Cup final next time. And also, since our break will be smaller, we may finally get around to some real live, well, not live, but some real draft preview. I don't follow us wait. on Instagram. Fusion and oh, did you? Were you going to say something? Yeah, I don't think we've mentioned that we are going to be in attendance for day two of the draft. At least yes. that's planned because we bought it tickets. Is true. We got tickets to day two of the draft. The day ones were were all booked up, sadly. Uh, but we are going to get to see way more picks than the people who paid more for day one. So who Value. really comes out on top? It's, it's us. literally six. It's literally it's five. No, it, yeah, it's five more rounds than they saw on the first day, and yet it costs so much less. So it's really just a total scam to go watch the draft day one in person. We are the ones who have come out on top. We paid like 10 bucks, so that's like a dollar a round almost. A bargain. <laughs> well, 
a little <laughs> over a dollar around. Think about it. The other people are picking over a dollar a pick. Eat shit. All right, think about that. <laughs> yeah, and our picks are so much faster too. Brilliant. Actually, this might be the first year I'm rooting for some really good players to slide into day two. <laughs> I'm always Absolutely. like teams in the end of the first round. I'm like, why aren't you taking this guy? He's making them fall. And I'm like, what's going on? But this year I'm rooting for it. I hope we see Brad Lambert fall all the way to 33rd overall and perhaps even beyond. Fingers crossed. Maybe we'll see him in person. All right. Absolutely. So, yeah, continue your sign off. Yeah, yeah. Please. All right. Uh, Instagram, okay. Fusion and Hockey Podcast. Twitter, at Taisefu, at Alex's new handle. Thanks for listening. Bye. The end. The end.